So by show of hands, uh, who remembers their first vehicle? Anybody remember your first vehicle? All right. Nina, what was your first vehicle? What was it? Pontiac Sunbird. What year? Oh, you try to leave the, you try to leave the year out. Okay, I don't blame you. I don't leave the year out. What, who else? Who's got a who's got a car? Yeah, what's your car? 88 5.0 Mustang. Ooh, 88 5.0. Rolling to my 5.0. 74 Plymouth Barracuda. Barracuda. Yeah. What do you got? Z, ooh, the Z, oh, I like that one. That was, that was yours, Michael, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. What do you got in the back there? Well, Brian, what do you got? Were you waving your hand? Oh, Steve. Where's Steve at? Oh, big Steve. What, what, what was yours with the cowboy hat? Okay, that's a perfect segue. We didn't plan this out. Mine was a, ni- mine was a 19, 1960 Ford F100. Okay, it's got the, it's a straight six with, with the, uh, with the, yeah, there, there, looks something like that. I know I don't still have it. I wish I did though. It's got the big, uh, you know, the big gear shift, like all the way down the floorboard, four speed, but really it was a three speed because the first speed, unlike today's trucks, which are city trucks, city trucks, and some of y'all have city trucks, my, this was a working truck. And so the first gear was just for like hauling, like they call it granny low. So you never use granny low, right? But, but I remember growing up in Ohio, and my dad teaching me to drive after I got this, this truck. And, uh, you know, it was raining out, as it always is in, in Ohio. And, uh, you know, it, 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 four drum brakes, no disc brakes. So it didn't stop that well. And so there we are, pulling up to a stoplight. I'm, I'm driving, and my dad's in the passenger side, and he says, Johnny, as we get close to the stoplight, pump the brakes, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. And he's, you know, doing this thing with his foot. Now, little did I know, my father was not only helping me learn how to drive, but he was also helping prepare me for marriage. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's funny, it's funny that she used to do that. Now, now you, you, you girls, you, you've seen mom. Do, she does the little hand. You do the hand thing. <laughs> she, she puts the, like, the kind of handbrake over there or something. I don't know. But, uh, but no, I, I, was, I was getting ready to... Um, kind of praying through what would be the last week. This is our last week of our new series. And God, I'm like, how, how, do, you, how do you want me to end this series? And, and he took me to John chapter 11, and he revealed to me that God is, in fact, the master brake pumper. Think about it. When, when God whispers that he wants to do something new in your life, or maybe he gives you that nudge, right, directly to your spirit. And you just know, like, oh, there's something new coming, right? And then what happens? Often, oftentimes, nothing. Oftentimes, all we see is God's heavenly foot press the brake pedal closer and closer to the floorboard. We see God pump the brakes. The title of this message is Pump the Brakes. And some of you are in the midst of a pump the brake season where you feel like God is just like, stopped. But here's what I want to point out from God's word today is the truth that God wants me to convey and I'll do it the best I can. And that's when, when God pumps the brakes in your life, he is not stopping the new, but rather he is in fact strengthening the new work that God wants to do in your life. The disappointments, the delays, the derailments, that all the disappointments, they're, they're formative. God uses them to birth 
the new thing that he wants to do. And we're going to get in God's word today, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So we're going to see uh, the story of Lazarus. Now, sisters Mary and Martha had a brother, Lazarus, who was sick. And so they were in Bethany. It's about a mile and a half or so from Jerusalem. And they needed Jesus' help. So they send a a servant to go find him. He was in Bethabara, about 20 miles away. So they send him, they send the servant, and they wait. For four days, God was a no-show. For four days, God pumped the brakes. And so you can imagine how disappointed they were when God, when Jesus finally shows up on day number four. Lazarus was already dead, and they see Jesus strolling into Bethany. And they say, Mary says in verse 32 of chapter 11, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Hmm. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see. Lord, they replied. Verse 35. Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible and one of the most powerful and profound verses because we see the heart of our creator. Friends, there's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Sympathy leaves someone in their problem whereas compassion pulls them out of their problem. Jesus had compassion for Lazarus. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Verse 37, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a, there's a bad odor. It's been, he's been in there for four days. Verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Someone needs to hear that today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here today, and, and you just need to hear that. Let that word just seep into your spirit. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. We need to believe, Amen. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said that for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lord God, thank you for slowing us down, for pumping the brakes in our life. God, we recognize today through your word that you're not doing that to stop the work you've started, but rather to strengthen the work in which you've started. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, say, I'm ready to receive truth. Again, I'm ready to receive truth. All right, truth number one, greater the time, greater the testimony. There's a correlation there. There's, there's a little formula. The greater the time 
equals greater the testimony. Verse 32, she says, if you'd have been here, if you hadn't pumped the brakes, my brother wouldn't have died. That's a fact. However, she also wouldn't have had this incredible testimony. Question, would Mary and Martha and Lazarus' collective testimony in this event had been greater if Jesus showed up on day one, like she wanted? Or would it have been greater if he showed up on day four, like he wanted? Which one? Yeah, and see, I think some of us, we settle for a day one testimony, right? A day one testimony. I'll, I'll call it this, a, a, a toenail testimony. You know, you know what a toenail testimony is? You know, you know what one is? With the nice boots you got on? <laughs> Take off them sh- uh, shoes and I see the funky toe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about No, no. Uh, a, a toenail testimony is when like, someone talks about like, a toenail that got healed like 17 years ago. You know, he had like a little foot fungus, you know, a little toenail. And, I think, and all of a sudden, oh, it was really bad. It was swollen and a bad odor. It was funky. And now you got a picture of that, that toenail hanging over your living room couch. And you're like, yeah, God did this 17 years ago. He healed my t-. And God's like, I'm trying to give you a resurrection testimony. And you're settling for a toenail testimony. You're settling for a, a, a day one testimony. I want to give you a real testimony. And, and no disrespect to your big toe. But come on, man. God, God wants to heal your marriage. God wants to heal your, your, your finance. He wants to resurrect that relationship with your, your, with your estranged child. Like God wants to do a resurrection work. But he says, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. That's what he says. You see what I'm saying? You have to wait for it. Like you, it takes time to build that resurrection testimony. So the servants, the, the servant gets there, finds Jesus in Bethabara, and, and this wasn't in our text today, but this is a little bit earlier in that same chapter, chapter 11. Check out what happens. Verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay? He's setting you up. Because when you, when you love someone, right, here, there's an action that follows. Here's the action. So, because he loved them, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and finished the pickleball tournament. <laughs> I mean, he's in the semifinals, you know? I mean, he can make it to, to nationals. I mean, like, why would you? That doesn't make any sense. If you love someone, why would you wait? Why would you stay? Friends, those of you who are in the season where God is pumping the brakes, don't expect what God does to make sense. It didn't make sense to the disciples, right? I mean, that's like uh, someone coming to me, like Geraldine calling me and saying, you know, Pastor Gary, he had a heart attack, right? And he's, he's in Del Webb. And instead of me rushing over there to go love on him and pray with him and be with him, I say, you know what, uh, Geraldine, uh, Cindy and I, we have tickets to, uh, to go see Medieval Times in Scottsdale. We're going to go spend a few nights over there and we're going to watch... Large men with long hair with lances <laughs> on horses. And, and, and you know, the, I mean, the whole thing, you realize that those lances are made out of toothpicks, right? They explode when they hit the armor. So you're not, you ain't fooling me. But that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, you wouldn't expect me to do that just like they wouldn't expect Jesus to, to stay for two days. But then I want you to think about what happened with Mary and Martha? Because there's something in the text that you, if, you, if you're not careful, you might miss. And I want to make sure you don't miss that. And that is would have been, what might have been Mary and Martha's reaction. So what do we know? We know that the servant was dispatched from Bethany 
20 miles away to Bethabara on day one. He got there. He would have got there. So that's a full day's journey. So he probably would have got there early evening of that first day. We know that Jesus waited two days. And then we know from verse 39 that when Jesus got back to Bethany, he had been dead for how many days? Four. So we can conclude that he died. Lazarus died on day one, quite likely before the servant even got to Jesus. He was already dead. And so when the servant gets there, all the way from Bethany, he says, Lazarus is dying and they need you, right? Here's what he says. Check this out. He says to the servant, verse four, this sickness will not end in death. Mm. So I want you to think. The next day, he sleeps, he wakes up, and runs back, all excited, right? Goes back to Bethany. He says, Mary, Martha, oh, man, I'm so glad to see you. I got great news. Great news. Jesus said, it's not, it's not going to end in death. They have a scowl on their face. And they say to the servant, he's already dead. He's already dead. Someone can relate today. I want to preach to the already dead crowd who's here. Maybe there's a, it's a relationship in your life. Maybe it's a, a promise that you, God spoke to you that didn't happen yet. Maybe it's your calling. Maybe it's your gifting. Maybe it's a dream. I, I don't know what it is, but, but it's, it's, it's already dead. You pronounced the time of death. You issued a death certificate and you buried that. It's already dead. And here's what God wants me to shine a light on from our text today. Don't put a period where God put a comma. Come on. Don't put a period where God put a comma. God's not done yet. God's not finished with you yet. God's just pumping the brakes to, to focus you on something that you couldn't see when you're running so fast. And here's what we do. We, we are Christians. We are good, man. Like we, we are good at like disguising our will and what we think and using Christian words, right? A lot of times, we, you know, there's a, God's, God puts a comma, right? He's just pumping the brakes a little bit. And we put a period there and we're like, well, that, that, whole, that whole dream that he gave me, you know, that dream of the podcast, Julian, my podcast, he has a podcast, by the way. And it, oh, maybe it's not taken off the way. I thought, well, I guess, I guess I need to start something new, right? And we use a verse like 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we can, we can find a verse to prove what we want to do. So be careful how you use your verses, right? God's will, not your will be done. And, and, and so we, what we end up doing is we, we start a new chapter when God is saying, you know what? The new work that I want to do is seeing the old through, right? We want to take the, we want to charge and take the, God says, fight for the ground I gave you. Be faithful where you're at. We sang great is thy faithfulness. I'm glad we said, we sang it that way. We don't sing great is my faithfulness because my faithfulness sucks. And you know what? I don't think I'm alone. I think if you're honest, maybe some would say, you know what? My faithfulness isn't the greatest either, Pastor John. Man. And I'm trying to, through the power of Christ, <laughs> only through the power of Christ, raise up a generation of faithful people. Could we not be 
Could we not differentiate ourselves from other people by, by, by our faithfulness? Could we be known by our faithfulness? I, I try to tell my daughters, you know, you've heard me say it before, steady is sexy. It's another way of saying faithfulness. It's, it's a modern vernacular. Steady is sexy. Find a guy who, when you go to turn on the light in, in your house when you get married, it actually turns on because you paid the electric bill. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> find a guy who, who, who is going to, uh, to, to lead you well. And, and here's the thing. You can't lead someone well if you're not chasing God, right? If you're in a relationship with someone and you're not chasing God, you can't lead them well, men. Right? You, can't be, you're not, you're not, you can't be the spiritual head of that family and love her like Christ loved the church if you aren't steady, if you're not chasing God. Find a, a man who encourages the family to get to church and be stable and set the spiritual direction of, of the... Of the and and I, listen, guys, I'm not picking on you. I'm encouraging you. You know, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm asking that of myself. Like, God, help me be more steady. Help me be more faithful. And, and the cool thing is, there's a proof text. In the, in the, in, there's one Bible verse that talks about Jesus' physical appearance. And I think God is trying to tell us something through that verse. It's, it's uh, Isaiah 53, verse 2. Only thing about his appearance is that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Can you believe that? Guys, think about that. He had access to the sexy button and didn't push it. I mean, you and I would have been like, six, seven, jacked, right? And he didn't push it. And I think he didn't push it because he was trying to tell us a different view of what being sexy really is, that steady is actually sexy. Friends, I think... God is hitting the brakes in some of our life. I think God is slamming the brakes on. He's pumping the brakes. And what do we do if we're not careful? We take matters into our own hands. We take our little foot and we go, okay, I got you, God. And we hit the other pedal. We hit the gas pedal. You know what happens when, when, that, when, when we do that? I'm going to tell you what happens. So I was, I, was uh, I don't know, 10 years back or so, 12 years back, I was in California. And um, I was at a stoplight. And I was in my F-350 Super Duty diesel with the 7.3 turbo. Eight-foot bed, king cab. It was awesome, right? And that was a manual transmission too, by the way. But uh, I was there at the stoplight, and all of a sudden, bam, I got rear-ended. And what happened, there was a lady in a Lexus SUV, and she pulled up, as she was pulling up that stoplight, instead of hitting the brake, pedal misapplication, she hit the gas and wrecked her car and wrecked my shoulder. I had to have surgery. That's exactly what happens when we take matters into our own hands and when God's pumping the brakes, say, I'm going I'm to speed it up. Let me give you an example. Uh, you know, maybe God's calling you to slow down. Maybe he's pumping the brakes and, and, and he wants you to see something. He wants you to slow down. And oftentimes when he wants you to see something, he's really just saying, I want you to see me, right? And, and what do we do? Oh, man, he's, I feel like... Uh, I have too much time alone with God. I feel a little bit, you know, I better turn the news on. I better turn, turn on the, the lamestream media, right? And, and, and here's what happens. If, if, you're, if you watch more news than you read the good news, then your hopelessness is self-inflicted. <laughs> Friends, 
there's more. There's more than we can see. When you're, in this, when you're in the season that you're in, when you're in the pump the brakes season, there is more than you can see. Why would he wait four days? Four days. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Here's one plausible answer. is because Jesus had two prior resurrections. Two times he resurrected people prior to Lazarus. In um, Mark 5, you have Jairus' daughter. And in Luke 7, you have the widow's son. What was... Uh, common with both of those resurrections is that the the people were only dead for a short time. And according to Jewish tradition, the spirit would hover over the body of a dead Jew for three days, making the fourth day him officially dead. The Pharisees Said, oh, the first two, no, 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 those weren't, those weren't legit. They, were, they weren't really dead, and you know, you know, by custom, by our law. You know. And says, okay, all right, too legit to quit. <laughs> four days. Four days, y'all. And that's what he did. He waited four days. But Mary and Martha, they didn't know that part of the story. They didn't put that together. All they saw is Jesus doing a no-show. Jesus pumping the brakes. Jesus must not care about me. He must be mad at me. He must be mad at something I did in the past. Or, or, or maybe I didn't, you know, I didn't give enough in the offering. You know, like, no, that's not Jesus. That's not the God that wept, that had compassion, that pulls people out of their problem. And you know, this is, this is the part where I was going to have a really exciting announcement about the land. But this week, God did this. And, and you know, God is, man, he is, ooh, you're a good one, God. Because it's like, it's like, it's like the perfect setup, the boom, you know, right here. And God's like, no, I'm pumping the brakes. And so I'll, probably next week, but I don't know. Where, where's our realtor? Where's Keith at? I know you. Keith, if you, want to, if you have any questions, just talk to Keith. He's our realtor. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> talk to him. God, God, God he, he, we're working on something very special and it would really fit in awesome to this message, God. <laughs> Throw me a bone. But God said, no, not yet. I'm pumping the brakes. And guess what? He's the boss, not me. Amen. But I will say this, I will say, let me just give you some good news. So God pumped the brakes, you know, it's been like, what, two and a half years that we've owned the land, and we've moved nine times, this is our ninth in-person location, but here's the thing that happened, like normally when churches move, once or twice they die, statistically it's bad, it's like the kiss of death. We, every time we move, somehow by God's, by God, we actually grow, and, and, and so we moved here. Yeah, amen, amen. Thank you, God. That's only through him, only through him. And, and, and so we moved here, and the first day, we, there was a couple, and they're probably here. Uh, Terry and Jenny, are you here? Terry and Jenny, where are you at? Oh, Jenny's here. Where's Terry at? Oh, he's sick? Yeah, but look at you being all faithful, still coming to church. That's awesome. So they came the first day we were here, right? Walked over from the neighborhood, over the neighborhood. And then the, and then the very next week, you came back and you went to the Bible study, right? And so we have probably, I, I'm guessing, what, what would you say, Michael? 35 families? I'm guessing 35, probably picked up 30, 30 to 35 new families of people uh, who, from these neighborhoods. So what's God saying? He said, I'm, I'm building a greater testimony, but it takes some time. Greater the time equals greater the testimony. Second truth today is your delay, your delay 
My delay shows others the way. Now, I want you to remember this, so I'm going to illustrate this in a way you cannot forget. I need uh, some volunteers. Um, I, need, I need a very short man. Oh, are you coming up? Are you coming up? Oh, well, you, I, I didn't exactly, yes, but I didn't have exactly, I, don't, I, I think, I think you'd, you'd have kicked Lazarus' butt pretty hard, I, I'm just saying, but come on up. You would not what I had in mind when I think about Lazarus. All right, that's, that, that's, a, that's a jacked Lazarus. <laughs> that's awesome. We are being treated today. All right, so, so Julian's going to be Lazarus. Now, the reason I said short, I wasn't picking on anybody, but, but I'm just trying to be biblically accurate, okay? So anthropologists, they tell us that, um, that by you know, examining skeletal remains, that the average Jewish man living at that time was five foot one. You're taller than that. <laughs> but, but, but think of, think of like, you know, everyone think about Jesus, the, the Jim Caviezel. Ooh, Jim Caviezel. No, he was, he was like 5'1". You know? He was like, I won't even say it. I'm not going to say it, Chachi. Not going to do it. No Chachi jokes today. Because I know you all thought I was going to pick Chachi for him. No, I'm not. All right? So, so here we go. So uh, we, got, we got Lazarus. Now, what we're going to do, okay, we're going we're gonna to entomb you in this sheet, but... You might be like the Hulk just breaking out of that sucker, man. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah you, you have you're up here for a little bit, all right? Are you, are you, are you claustrophobic? No. Oh, good. Because I got a story about an MRI one time, I'll tell you. I'm, <laughs> they already know. I already told them. So we're going to wrap Lazarus. So you're going to have to wrap him up, okay? This ain't going to wrap around him. Lay down. You got you to lay down. Is your mom watching from uh, Atlanta? No. No? No. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, sorry. Oklahoma. Same thing. I'm just kidding. You're in the desert now, man. All right, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get that down. All right. No, 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 that's good. Lazarus, some nice hair and some glasses. I like that. Good-looking good Lazarus. All right, so, so I need, uh, I need uh, let's see, I need Mary and Martha. Do we have any sisters, any, any blood sisters here? No, but, but uh, what? well, your sister-in-laws, right? Cousins? Well, then, well, then we can go with these, the two young, you, you guys. Well, you say no way. Oh, look, see, come on, come on. These are, they're all the way from Arizona. They come every week from Arizona Christian University. Young people growing up in a church in college, man, that's awesome. Love that. So you guys are going to be Mary and Martha. And um, so which one is, is more organized? Okay, so you're Martha. <laughs> so you're Martha. You're over here. Come on over here, Martha. Okay. And you're Mary. All right, come on. And so, by the way, Martha gets a bad rap in Scripture. Like everyone says, oh, you know, Mary, worship at the feet of Jesus. Well, you try worshiping the feet of Jesus when there's dog poop on the floor. <laughs> All right, so. All right, so there's your uh, tissues. Now, why are you, do you, context clue. Do you, do you know why I'm giving you tissue? I'm crying. You're crying, okay, good, good. Because she's sad. Okay, just want to make sure, okay. What, what's your major? Business. Business, okay, we're fine. What's your major? Elementary education. Elementary education. Oh, we're going to pray for her. That's awesome. We've got a lot of good teachers. We need them. We need good teachers. So, all right, so we got Mary and Martha. They're crying um, at the loss of, of Lazarus, their brother. 
All right, and uh, we need one more person. That is someone to represent the disciples. That is Thomas. Is there anybody who is skeptical and questions everything? Maybe a little bit on the pessimistic side. You? And you just admitted that. Come on up here, brother. That's awesome. He's like, that's me. Okay. You're what? All right, good. He's not afraid of nothing. Uh, all right, that's good. So, so you... You are going to, you're over here, you're over here. Now, see, they're, they're in Bethany, we're over here in Bethabara, and you, you can just stand here and just have like a, uh, kind of that kind of look. All right, All right. so here's what I'm, I want to show you. <laughs> hey, security, safety, you got my back? Okay, I'm, I'm all of a sudden. What happened to Pastor John? All right, no, I'm just messing with you. I'm joking. So your delay shows others the way. Here's what I'm trying to point out, and I want to illustrate this. Lazarus has been dead for four days. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? That's what the Bible tells us. So we know Lazarus was in paradise. What God was doing, the delay... And this whole, this whole pump in the brake thing, it really wasn't for Lazarus. In fact, if you read John 12, verses 10 and 11, you'll find that when he came back to life later on, so many people were coming to Jesus Christ through his testimony, which that's a pretty big testimony. That's not a toenail testimony. That's a big testimony. And so, so many people were coming to Christ that what happened? It says the chief, the chief priests planned to kill him. Now, we don't know what happened to him. But it's quite likely he, he, he was killed by them or uh, the traditions has him being um, beheaded in, in Gaul by Emperor Domitian. But the truth is, we don't know exactly what happened, but it wasn't for him. It was for all the other people. The delay was for the others. So, ready? Let's go back to the text. You don't want my opinion. You want the God's word. So here we go. Uh, the delay was for the disciples. Verse 14. So he told them, he, Jesus, told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, Thomas. I'm glad I pumped the brakes here. Why? So that you may believe. So that you may believe. <laughs> Man, I cast him well, didn't I? I mean, like, this is... There, there is an anointing on this service because I could not have done that in the flesh. Okay. But, but, but here's the thing. I love, what I love about Jesus is he didn't over-explain himself. Like, if you're in a pump-the-break season, there is a tendency to, I want him to understand my heart, you know? It's like, no, he's not going to understand. If you're in a pump-the-break season, when God's doing a work, and you're in the midst of that work, you may not understand it, but, but they may not understand it as well. Even if, even if God gives you understanding, be careful who you tell. What does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man... The man without the Spirit understandeth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, for they are only discerned through the Spirit. God, Thomas couldn't understand that Jesus' absence in one season would mean his presence in another season. That was whoo, too big for him right there. And so he said, you know what? <laughs> he said, it's not about Lazarus. It's about the disciples. It's also about Mary and Martha. You guys okay? You're crying a lot, I see, okay? They seem really sad about your passing, and you can't talk. You're, de you're dead. <laughs> I kind of like that, having that over you right now. 
So verse 42, this was after he took the stone away and he said, thank you that you hear me. And then he says, Jesus says, I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. That they may believe that Mary and Martha and the Jews sent me. It wasn't about him. And friends, I think that Jesus unearthed two corpses that day. Lazarus and also the corpse of unbelief. Unbelief. And the Jews and Mary and Martha, who he loved. So it's for the Jews. It's for Mary and Martha. It's for the disciples. And lastly, it's for us. Some of y'all are walking through a season and you're like, God, what are you doing? Why do you keep hitting the brakes? Why are you pumping the brakes? And you need to be able to open this Bible, turn to John chapter 11 and say, you know what? I think I get it. And, and, and there's a little secret message in the, in, the, in the scripture. The more you study God's word, sometimes I'll give you a little nugget. Check this out. Verse 16. The, remember what happened here, the, the context. Jesus told him, he said, okay, we're going to go back to, we're going to go back to Bethany. And they're like, Jesus, don't go back to Bethany. You, you, they tried to kill you. You can't go back there. Right. And, and, and so this is what Thomas said. This is you. Okay. I'm going to quote you. Okay. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. He looks more like a Didymus than a Thomas, doesn't he? Did, Didymus. All right. So he Didymus. And he said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Like, you know, he's passive aggressive. Like, okay, let's go, let's go. Sign our death wish. Is that you to a T? See? Okay. He said that's him to a T. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Why, Why would the writer, John, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, why would he include this whole thing about also known as Didymus? Why wouldn't he just say his name? The, the, the name Didymus is the Greek equivalent of Thomas, and that name, Thomas, and it, it comes from um, the Aramaic, which means twin. Twin. But why? I'm just curious. Why? Then Thomas, also known as the twin, said, to, like, why, why include that? Why, how is that pertinent? So it makes you jog your memory and think, okay, well, let's go back to Scripture. Where, where was his twin mentioned in the Bible? Answer? It's not mentioned. What I believe, and this is, this is my professional opinion, okay? Anytime I give you my opinion, I'm not giving you 100%, you know, doctrinal truth where I can't, you know, it's incontrovertible. If it's not incontrovertible, I'm going to tell you. So this is, so I, this is my belief. I believe what, what John was saying here is that the twin, the unnamed twin, Thomas's twin, the doubter's twin, It's us. It's you and me. Because God knew that when he pumped the brakes in our life, we can relate to you a lot, brother. There's a, there's a doubting Thomas in all of us. There's, there's a part of us that, that gets mad at God, doesn't understand, wrestles with God. But here's the thing. God, was, was in the end, was, was, was he not faithful? Was doubting Thomas not faithful in the end? Yes, he was in the end. He just doubted along the way. And you know, so do we. But God is saying, just trust me through this. Can we give them a hand? You, you gotta stay, you gotta stay. You gotta stay. Thank you, guys. Good job, man.
So let me, let me close with this thought. And here's, and, and you cannot, I mean, it, don't worry, man. I ain't going to leave you. I ain't going to leave you. Oh, no, that's, that's messed up. I wouldn't do it. That's wrong. You, you cannot go through the news. For the people who are sick this week, hopefully uh, Jenny, your husband's watching online because you, you have to get this piece. This is a crucial part to the new. This, this is, you can't end this any other way because if you miss this, you're ill-equipped to step into the new. Okay, your story is for God's glory. You have to understand that fundamental truth or you will be, you'll get sideways so fast. And I know there's a lot of churches that you can go to in our city, in our state, in our world, that will tell you that your story is for your glory right? It's about your best life now. God's not saying that. I, 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 don't, I don't see that in the scripture. So, so I'm going to teach what the word of God says, and I love you, and I hope you know that it comes from a heart of love, but if it offends you, you need to take it up with God, okay? Because I want you to be equipped to step into the new that God has for you. Your story is for God's glory. Listen to this verse. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. Here it is. Here's the verse. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Friend, that, that changes everything. Because if, if something happens that you don't like or don't understand or causes you some sort of trepidation, you can say, you know what? Perhaps this is the pathway through which God gets the most glory. And if he gets the most glory, even though I don't particularly like this path, so be it. Not my will, but your will be done. It's for God's glory. Your new is not about you. The name and acclaim it, prosperity gospel, it's bad theology. Now we can claim things. We should claim things. We should speak truth over our families, over our kids. We should claim things through the blood of Christ. But if it doesn't align with God's will, you can claim all you want. Someone said, believing in the prosperity gospel is like marrying someone for their money. Ouch. What brings God glory? What brings God glory in your life? Uh, sweet Tammy. She was in this, uh, I don't think she, I'm not sure she's in here. She was in the last gathering we had this morning. She's, uh, she works out at our Connections and help serve out there. And it's a big part of what God's doing at this church. Well, she found out last week that the new season that God was bringing her into wasn't exactly what she expected. And she, she found out last week that the cancer that she had 10 years ago that was in a remission came back and came back with a vengeance, stronger than before. She begins chemotherapy on Friday. And you look at that and you think, you, 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 you try to reconcile that with John 10, 10, you know, God came to, to give us life and give us, give us life to the full. One, one translation says more abundantly. And you're like, how is that abundantly? But be careful that we don't look through it through our distorted lens. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about the glory of God and, and whatever brings you the most glory. So be it. And see, the thing is, we, we, we get mad at God when those things happen. We say, God, how could that happen? 
don't you know that that's the very same thing that Lazarus said to God on the other side of eternity when he brought him back into this world? How could you do this, God? Same thing. What's the difference? The difference is we read about heaven and he was there. To live is Christ, therefore to die is gain. What's the worst thing that this world can do to us? Kill us. Take our life. That's the worst. And yet the Bible says that's the best because you're with Christ. Your sweet wife is with Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to hurt for those people. But you know, I got good news. For a lot of people, God is coming to make a wake-up call. A wake-up call. Here's my favorite part of the story. Verse 11. No one ever reads this part. Verse 11. Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. (laughs) Put your name in there. Our friend, put your name in there. Has, put your issue in there. God's coming to wake you up. Our friend Tammy has cancer. God's coming to wake her up. And we believe God can heal. Come on. And so what I want to do is I want you to help wake him up. Verse 43, Jesus said, Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, I'm going to say it quietly. I don't want him to hear it because you have to obey the voice of the Lord, right? If God's talking. And by the way, theologians, they'll tell you that thank God he didn't say, come out that he specified Lazarus come out. Otherwise, it would have been night of the living dead. Right? And so I want you to help me wake him up. And when, and when you say, Lazarus, come out, when you say that, I want you to speak that over yourself. What is it in yourself that is already dead that needs to come out, that needs to be reawakened, that needs to come to life? What is it? So when you say, Lazarus, come out, you're speaking not only to to those dry bones, but you're speaking to the dry bones in your life, to the things that have fallen asleep in your life. You ready? You got to say it with some tenacity. You got to say it like you're more excited about this than the Super Bowl. And I know the Super Bowl is not very good because there are two teams that no one cares about. But let's just say that they were two good teams that you actually cared about, right? Like, you have to be more excited about that, right? More excited about this than that. So here we go. Ready? We're going to say, Lazarus, come out. Ready? You ready? Oh, you can't answer me. A trick question, man. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Lazarus, come out! Come on, come out, Lazarus. Come on. said, I think it's pretty significant that I was up here after all he went through. And you know what? You'll be in the lobby and anybody want to hear his testimony, you hear his story, why it's significant, talk to him on the way out because you might have a word for someone that they need to hear. Amen. Thank you, brother. God is awakening us. He's saying, come out. He's saying that to our nation. You see what's happening in our nation? 
You see what's happening in Canada? You see what's happening across the world? God is waking up a sleeping giant called the church and he's saying, come out. He's saying, come out already. I'm not done. I'm not done with America. I'm not done with the church. Come out. He's saying that to, to dead dreams. He's saying, come out. He's saying to the calling that's been dormant for a while. He's saying, come out. He's saying, don't give up on me. He's saying, trust me. Come out. But just know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes at times. I'm going to pump the brakes, and, and, and we're not always going to like it. But it's not about what we like. It's about what we need. And so when God pumps the brakes, just know that he's doing so. Not to stop the new work but to strengthen the new work that God wants to do in your life. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Ooh, I love that. Got that anointed, special anointing on that Nord 3 today. It's all right. It's good. Mm, Let's pray. If you're going through a a season, I just, uh, maybe you're in kind of a pump the brake season. I just want to pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for everyone here who is watching online that's in that season where you, you are uh, pushing that pedal down to the floorboard, pausing our lives, hitting pause, and, and trying to speak to us. God, we want to have ears to hear. We want to receive what you are saying. So in the midst of this hectic life, thank you for loving us enough to slow us down and to refocus us, to realign us on what really matters in life. Thank you for what you're teaching us in this season as a church and individually. Lord, we want to hear it. We want to receive it. So I just thank you in the strong name of Jesus that we would realize through your spirit that you're building up a powerful testimony, but that takes time. Lord, help us learn to to not fill in the blanks, to not put a period where you put a comma. Lord, allow us to think beyond ourselves, beyond our drama, beyond our problems, and realize that our delay isn't about just us, but our delay actually helps others find their way. Use our story for your glory. And just thank you for this, God, and the powerful work that you're doing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're on, watching online or whether you're here today, you don't know Jesus, you want to know Jesus. Before you go today, you can make that decision to know that you will spend the rest of your life with Jesus in heaven. If, if that's you today or watching online, would you just pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me for my mistakes and for waking me up today and for using me to do something that is meaningful and has purpose in this life. I'm your child from this moment on as I make you, Jesus, my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome them to the family of God. Come on. Yep. Yeah. All right. If you made that decision, by the way, if you made that decision, stop at the cadet counter on the way out. We have a free gift for you. If you need prayer, our pastoral team and uh, some of our prayer partners will be here with you. We would love to pray with you. Don't walk out of here if you need prayer. Come up and receive prayer. But are you ready? Are you ready with some truth? Are you armed with some truth to go about in that world and realize that we got to fight? We have a battle to fight. And sometimes that looks like allowing the brakes to be pumped, taking your hands off the wheel and saying, you got this, God. And because you got this, I got this. Amen? Have a great week. We'll see you back here next week. God bless you guys.